Today on The Toppy Show, Disney faces a hostile takeover by a man who wants to remove the wokeness from the company, Vivek on the USA taking weapons from Israel to give to Ukraine, Chris Christie on the US giving Iran $6 billion to de facto fund Hamas, Vivek on the lack of US security at the US northern border goes viral, Bud Light ships UK team branded bottles to a USA sports balls event, Under Armour gets a new CEO, Smith & Wesson moves to a new headquarters in Tennessee, the container store stock is 94.42% off, and their CEO is taking a pay cut so employees can get bonuses, and a candy is recalled after a child dies, unfortunately, from a choking hazard. All that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Guys, he is quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October, so if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Under Armour getting a new CEO by the name of Stephanie Larans. She was previously the CEO of Marriott, interestingly enough. And in terms of what she focuses on, in terms of her goals for the company, as they've had sales slumps and kind of being put more and more in the shadow of the industry leader and big behemoth, the 500-pound gorilla, Nike. Now, she has several initiatives that she wants to kick off to fix the company. And one of the top being, she's calling it part of the PTH3 plan, which perhaps is a more apt name for a pharmaceutical company or a bill in Congress. Not, not the most inspirational plan. I'm sure it's a interesting, oh, of course it is an acronym. So she gets a little credit because acronyms can be cool. Apparently it's a three product program called protect this house three. Okay. Which is kind of throwback to advertising back in the day when they used to do advertising. I, again, I don't really, I don't own a TV that gets cable. However, back in the day, they used to actually advertise. I assume they might these days. Great, I'm not their target demographic. When I want footwear, I buy Made in America. So I get the New Bass 990s as every sharp wise man does. Now, interestingly enough, it looks like the first part of the plan is drive brand heat. And she noted that even though they're expected to drive nearly $6 billion in sales, she says, quote, we are not pulling in our fair share of market growth I believe a casual factor here is the inconsistency of how the Under Armour brand shows up across regions with the most significant opportunity to improve in the United States, unquote. Which, I would tend to agree. Their marketing, if any, and again, it's debatable. I, I think about it, I've never actually seen. Interestingly enough, now that I did a little research, I'm sure I'll have some suggested ads saying they want me to buy Under Armour, but needless to say, I think I'm on my 17th pair of New Balance 990s which is the major, only major athletic shoe made in the USA. Also perfect for Corvettes and mowing lawns. But some of those instances where, when was the last time you saw an Under Armour commercial? Or a billboard? Or shoot, even a YouTube advertisement? It's been years since I've seen anything about that. So definitely they could use some brand consistency in advertising. Well, anything is better than nothing. And it'll be interesting to see in terms of see sporting events she said they're going to target 16 to 20 year old varsity athletes probably get some brand deals going with them let's see here then the other of course the as we say these titles are not very inspirational i know they certainly don't get an a plus in marketing anytime soon but the second prong of the three-prong approach in order to try to turn things around for the sports brand Let's see here. There's so much fluff this article from SGB Media. So the first part is drive brand heat. Second part is deliver elevated design and products with a focus on footwear, women's, and sports style. Now, when asked for comments, she said, quote, we continue to deliver industry-leading innovations that once athletes have them, they cannot imagine living without. That said, we haven't finished the play on becoming a premium at every price point, nor create a critical mass business in the better part of the product pyramid, especially in footwear, where most of our peers enjoy consistently larger business. 
Now it looks like in footwear, she said that Under Armour has built a $1.5 billion businesses on winning franchises such as Velocity, Phantom, and Infinite in running. So it'll be interesting to see if that part of the business is able to help out as well. And then the third prong approach of how to try to, I was going to say, right this ship. That's more of a sea shanty type of metaphor, though. Perhaps a, um, make sure they don't have two left, they don't have two left feet in the shoebox, perhaps. Now, third part, she says, is drive growth in the U.S., which, of course. Now, she noted that the U.S. has been recovering from hyper-promotional activities in 2017, 2018, and now faced the return of, quote, higher-than-desired promotional activities in our home market. Let's see here. She traces the cause of the U.S. weakness in recent years to a lack of, quote, consistent product marketing and segmentation discipline, along with sector-wide inventory malaise, all of which have consistently constrained brand affinity in the U.S. So, it'll be interesting to see how they go about doing this. No way. Interesting. So she said she cited the mall as well as golf specialty shops as underpenetrated channels for the brand in the wholesale level. No. Surely she did. Surely I'm misreading this. Uh, I mean, when was the last time you went to a mall in the United States? I, I'm not saying those stores don't exist. I'm saying of the 23 stores that are still left, I wouldn't put that as a big brand emphasis trying to build out that indirect sales model. So it'll be interesting to see if she's able to turn the company around. Let me know when was the last time you actually bought an Under Armour product and where did you buy it? I mean, last time I, I believe it was in middle school, I went to a sporting goods store. So it was a traditional indirect business model. So you're buying it not directly from Under Armour. You're buying it from a reseller of Under Armour. And I believe there are football cleats. I believe that. And then sometimes I get them, I get the free like t-shirt things. You can do like a half marathon. They give you the free promo shirt. So there's a couple races I know they sponsor. But besides from that, at least from my anecdotal experience, I don't really see much Under Armour ladies. So let me know, when's the last time you actually saw Under Armour? And then even perhaps more rare of a question, when's the last time you purchased anything Under Armour related? It'd be interesting to see what you have to say. Other interesting business news, you have Smith & Wesson moving to their new headquarters in Nashville. No, it's Tennessee. It's about to say Nashville. It's one of those things where there's so much things going on in Nashville. So many businesses moving into that specific city. It's almost the default for everywhere I think of when it comes to Tennessee. Now, in reality, for this particular situation, this headquarters is going to be 650,000 square feet over in Maryville, Tennessee. And, of course, it's part of their relocation effort. You saw a lot of these legacy companies do this, unfortunately. Now, of course, previously they were in a blue state where they're trying to ban the very products that they make. Now, going back in time quite a bit, companies actually established in 1852 by Horst Smith and Daniel Wesson in Norwich, Connecticut which is one of many states trying to ban things like AR-15, which is the most popular rifle, bar none, in the United States. Over 50% of all new rifles sold are of the AR-15 pattern style. Ironically enough, that rifle is actually patented and invented in California, which is kind of a hilarious, ironic thing. And because the patent expired, anyone can invent it, or rather not invent it, anyone can manufacture it without having to pay a royalty to the original brainchild Eugene Stoner who invented it when he was working at Armorlite. Armorlite, hence Armorlite Rifle AR-15. Though no one in mass media actually knows that they make up words like assault rifle, which ridiculous, but they did that because of polling and they found that was the scariest term that uneducated people or people not familiar with firearms are scared by because it's again an inanimate object. Nevertheless, a lot of states, especially in the Northeast, are banning firearms as well as capacity of firearms. So if they're banning the main thing your company is selling, perhaps not a prudent business decision to continue to operate there. That looks like in terms of the cost, this, they said the relocation plan was going to be about $125 million, which it'll be interesting to see how much money they save in the long term. I'm sure their employees are going to be infinitely happier since Tennessee is one of a few awesome states that does not steal your income. I mean, have a income tax for the state. So the employees, I'm sure, are going to be a lot happier going to Tennessee I can't imagine the logistics involved moving those heavy machineries. If you ever looked at a 
fire manufacturing facility on YouTube and look at the tours. The types of machines you need to create a lot of these things are the size of Volkswagen buses or bigger. So it was no simple feat to not just move all the equipment to Tennessee, but also to build new headquarters. It was huge, but long term it's going to be much better for the business. And as you see these types of issues that have become political, I think we're going to see more of these companies moving away from the legacy manufacturer sites. You saw this with Colt, which is perhaps the most well-known legacy firearms manufacturer. They've gone bankrupt a couple times, so the ownership has changed throughout the years. But they're most infamously known for the Colt revolver. Now, they used to also be headquartered famously over the Northeast, but then they banned AR rifles or AR pattern rifles. So they had to move specifically the AR manufacturing to another location. So it'll be interesting to see how long any of those companies can remain there in any capacity. And it'll be interesting to see if it's banned more. Do you think it was a good idea to move to Tennessee? I can't help but think probably a piece of business brilliance in as opposed to the usual business blunder we see at the end of the episodes. Other interesting business use, you have the container store stock at 94.42% off and the CEO is taking a pay cut in order to pay for staff bonuses. Now, it looks like this Texas-based company, which gets, I would say at the very least an A, perhaps an A plus for marketing in terms of their name being the container store, you know exactly what they do. They're a container store. They sell many containers. So, pretty good name, I was gonna say. Now, their stock, in terms of how that's been doing, year to date, or actually rewinding back the clock a couple fiscal quarters quite a bit. So the lifetime of the stock, it's 94.42% off. Now, the past five years, the five-year trend is down at 79.78%. Past one year is down 59.11%. Year to date is down 54.4%. Six month trend is down 39.16%. One month down 4.72%. It's so bad that the market cap, and again, things fluctuate, I would say, well, shoot, on a second basis when it comes to publicly traded companies. So by the time I actually edit this and actually put it on the internet, the numbers might be off by a little bit, though I don't think anyone's going to go out and you know buy a bunch of their stock anytime soon. But it's one of those instances where their current market cap is $103.81 million. So recently you had the lottery in the United States where it's over a billion dollars. So if you won that after the government steals most of it for taxes, you have, I believe the cash amount is $500 million cash. You could buy five of the container store. That's how much value has just been erased by this publicly traded company. Now, it looks like the CEO Satish took a voluntary 10% pay cut in order to offset the cost of pay increases for other parts of the company. So his salary is temporarily going down from 900, 925K to 832K for a six month period. Now last year, Satish's total compensation came in at $2.57 million. Granted, a lot of that is gonna be a mixture of stock and healthcare and all that kind of stuff. Although, talk about the ultimate gamble. What if he just took all, all of his compensation just went all stock? That could conceivably make him richer than Elon if he could somehow magically make the company worth more and more and more. Because if their stock is worth, again, I was going to say, what, what is it worth at this exact second? I'm curious. Last time I checked, it was under $2 per share. The can store. Oh, come on now. Stock. Oh, I'll be danged. It went up. It's $2.12 per share. Now, keep in mind, if it goes under a dollar, they get threatened by the New York Stock Exchange and being delisted, since that's one of the contingencies to be on there. So they're hovering about $2.12 per share. Now, in terms of their long-term trends, their 52-week high was $5.80 per share. Their 52-week low was a buck eighty-five per share, which is pretty darn cheap to say the least for what used to be one of the most powerful retailers I could think of. Now, it looks like, again, he decreases compensation. They clarified that as part of the action, Satish signed a letter from the company's chief legal officer agreeing that he did not view his salary reduction as a breach of his contract and was waiving his right to leave for, quote, good reason, unquote, due to the temporary pay cut. Had he chosen to do so, he would have been eligible for severance benefits 
that include twice his base salary. Now, the container store reported a adjusted net loss of $10.1 million in, this, in its most recent quarterly results, more than $20 million worse than the same period a year ago. In May, it announced a round of layoffs that affected about 15% of its support center workers and 3% of the employees at the distribution centers and stores, although the exact number of employees affected by the cuts is was not disclosed. So it'll be interesting to see, can they make it? We've seen a lot of retailers bite the dust lately, unfortunately. Most recently, I think the, uh, I'd say Tuesday morning, unfortunately, another Texas-based company, they went out of business earlier this year as well. It's one of those very, very competitive areas to be in and getting the customer a compelling reason to get inside the store is even more difficult these days when, of course, e-commerce is huge. I know the Container Store, of course, has an e-commerce part to the company, but I would say they're mostly well known for their brick and mortars across the United States. And aesthetically speaking, they're pretty impressive in terms of the architectural design that they put into them. But when was the last time you went to the Container Store? It's one of the things where, well, granted, anecdotally speaking, I like to, you know, make my own furniture because this will last presumably about 100 years or so because it's, you know, 150 year old antique barnwood and a good old epoxy I put on top of it. But when it comes to the Container Store, I mean, my, vi and again, anecdotally speaking, I always thought of them as a expensive place for college kids. Because I know when I went to college, I got some of the stuff there, partially because I had a family member work there. So thankfully, we got a discount, which made it a little bit more affordable. But I don't know. When was the last time you shopped at the container store? What did you purchase there that you can't purchase anywhere else? They do have a couple of their intellectual property where they design it in house. The Alpha series, I think, is probably the most famous one where they say their little closet organizing mechanisms. So there's a couple unique things around the company that would make people more compelled to shop there. But, I mean, when was the last time you shopped at the container store? Do you think they're going to make it through this turmoil when, again, right now, and shoot, we got 40-year hyperinflation, we have economic uncertainty, no one knows what's going to happen in terms of politics and depending on what industry you're in, you may very well be regulated out of business. So at that, all that time, do you really need to buy stuff that's at the container store? I mean, a lot of it is just luxuries in my opinion. Now, I, I take that back, I'd say all of it is luxuries considering you know when I've moved throughout the years, I've actually just nailed pallets together to make a desk as opposed to buying something because nails were under a dollar so much better ROI, but let me know. Do you think their stock will jump back up? Will they make a comeback and grow exponentially? seems like there's a lot of rough times in re retail and it'll be interesting to see if they can make it. Now going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Disney versus hostile takeover by Nelson Peltz, who's best known for removing politics in order to save companies. Now, it looks like this may very well be what Disney needs to actually survive. Disney is kind of like a patient in a hospital with a lot of tumors, a lot of growing tumors, unfortunately. It used to be very strong, it used to be very great, but it's just become more and more toxic, and the bad parts are growing exponentially faster than the good parts. And a lot of people are wondering, how can we fix this? Does Bob Iger, does he have the capacity to fix it? He claimed he was going to do lots of great things when he came back as CEO, but the content just got worse. The fis Fiscally, the company got worse. Disney Plus still has not made a profit, which, again, that just shows how perhaps that might be the business blunder of the century. They can't make a profit on streaming yet. When they have one of the largest vaults of intellectual property I could possibly imagine, that's ridiculous to say the least. So a lot of people are saying, well... Maybe we need to remove the politics. Bob Iver sure as hell can't do it. Now, it looks like an activist investor may very well be able to. Now, Nelson Peltz, and this is according to DailyMail.com, he actually, with his investment firm, ramped up their stake in the company, and he's wanting to get a couple of places on the board. And this is as shares of Disney go to a 10-year low under Bob Iger, which, again, is something of the business blunder of the century. Disney stock at a 10-year low? That's pathetic. That shows, how, that shows you how much people hate politics and content when the content is designed for a mass audience. It's just ridiculous to say the least. Disney, when I was a, you know growing up, it was known as a blue chip stock. 
everyone knew that you weren't going to go, it wasn't going to be a hockey stick. It wasn't going to be a big spike with Disney. You weren't going to get rich overnight. But they knew it was a stable, proven company that produced great content for everyone, great theme parks for many. And throughout the years, you just knew it was going to go up consistently over time. It was a blue chip stock. Now, I'm trying to think, what's the opposite of blue chip stock? It's more like a, we must come up with a fun term together. Not blue chip stock. Perhaps a, a dead mouse in a mouse trap? No, 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 no. A mouse with a broken leg in a mouse trap, perhaps is the best metaphor. It's still crawling around awkwardly. And a lot of people are wondering, what on earth is it doing? But it is still technically alive like Disney is today. It's technically alive, but they're alienating more and more of their audience by injecting politics into all their materials. And I think a lot of people are just fed up with it. We just talked about Rasputin poll where it showed a majority of Republicans are moving away from Disney. While you are having more and more Democrats embrace and love Disney. So again, it's still an overall loss of consumers. They are invigorating and making people on the very left very happy with the themes and things that they're putting into films, which is quite concerning that people are actually happy that they're putting sexual themes into children's materials. That's uh, quite concerning to say the least. Nevertheless, they are increasing their market share with that, the leftists, the people on the very left, but the people in the middle, I would argue the people in the middle and the right, they're all alienated as all hell and they don't want to be there anymore, so they're not tuning in as much. Now, again, their stock is at a 10-year low. Now, it looks like they've been, Mr. Peltz has been buying up more and more Disney shares, and it looks like they now own a little bit more than 2.5 billion dollars in Disney stock. Wow. They have about 30 million shares. And it looks like this fund is now one of Disney's biggest investors. And again, when you become a large enough investor of a company, there's certain benefits to that, including, in some cases, places on the board of directors, which Many will debate what the purpose is in terms of are they supposed to override the CEO? Are they supposed to give the CEO more input, help him make better decisions, maybe round out their character? But at the end of the day, I would say most people would say the board director is there to help balance the CEO and give him more information, more perspectives, and collectively, in theory, make the business do better overall. Now, it looks like in the Pelts actually had a proxy war. A little while back when he was saying hey look at your overall costs they're ballooning exponentially you need to cut your cost and he was arguing for a seat on the board and it appeared as if again from what i gather is that he backed off once Iger said yeah we're going to cut 7,000 employees and a couple billion in on their cost now it looks like disney shares have gone down to their low yeah the lowest in the decade though is eight eighty three dollars and sixty cents per share that is abysmal to say the least. Let me see here. Yeah. Uh, oh, specifically, so Peltz withdrew his initial proxy fight in February in 2023 after Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, returned to his previous role and unveiled a cost cutting plan of about 7,000 layoffs and restructuring to save around $5.5 billion. Here, I can't. Now, in terms of historicals, and again, they didn't do the best, but it looks like Peltz has a long-term career of investing companies and having them remove themselves from politics, which subsequently helped increase the stock in their sales. Now, it looks like in 2021, he confronted Ben and Jerry's owner Unilever, which is one of the most hilarious, hypocritical companies you could possibly imagine. I may or may not have a small grudge because their original product that I know is Axe Body Spray, which in the commercials, if you sprayed it on you, attractive women would all rush towards you. I did that in a Walgreens CV, or actually no, it was a CVS aisle. The girl just gave me a weird look. Did not work to say the least. False advertising, I would argue. Now, interestingly enough, that commercial shows attractive women, and some might call that pejorative or sexist. Now, on the flip side, Unilever owns Dove. Now, Dove... The soap company has pictures of every types of woman from ones that could fit in a car to ones that would break a car suspension. And they say that they claim that all women are beautiful. And they are very feminist, so to say. 
And hilariously enough, it's the same company that owns Axe Body Spray, which many would say is the antithesis of feminist. So I always thought that was interesting. They also own ice cream companies where perhaps that's why they have, uh, a nice way of saying obese, large models for Dove soap. Because the more ice cream they sell them, the more soap they can sell them because there's a lot of surface area. Makes sense, perhaps. Now, it looks like in 2021, you have Pelts confronted Ben Jerry's owner Unilever about its main political statements. He told the ice cream manufacturer it was a mistake for the company to get involved in such issues as Palestine's conflict of Israel. At the time, Ben and Jerry's had vowed to stop selling ice cream in Palestine territories. Almost a year after the conversation with Unilever CEO Alan Jope, Pelts joined his board and the shares rose by 7%. So, it looks like the shareholders also appreciate his involvement with these companies because, again, if you're a shareholder and you're wondering why the hell is Disney making content that's alienated 20, 30, 50% of the audience, their sales are subsequently going to go down, of course. So is this the news of getting someone on the ship to actually write the ship? Or Disney, instead of ships, maybe someone in the castle, so to say, to write the castle? That would probably have a huge impact on the stock. I wouldn't be surprised if it went up quite a bit. It looks like, in terms of Pell's other career successes, he and his partners actually acquired Snapple from Quaker Oats in 1997. It was like... Over next, let's see here. So he has a long track record. Got a lot of names like Procter & Gamble, joining the boards there. Uh, 1997, he acquired Snapple from Quaker Oats, turning around, selling it to Shreeps in 2007, when he masterminded Cadbury splitting into confectionery arm from Schweppes to huge success. So he has an ever-increasing amount of success throughout his career. The only question is, is Disney too far gone to be saved at this point? One of the issues is they have an army of employees who are ideologists, um, also known as activists. They want to inject these things into the content. So, you'd have to really clean house, similar to Twitter, and even Twitter still has issues to this day, partially because of the advertising, and I would also argue because of Elon hiring Linda Yaccarino, or Macarena, I forget, but he hired her, and her old job is advertisements, and they usually like censorship. So, I would, just, I would think there's a, still a fair amount of activists at Twitter, which is why you still also see censorship, but in this case, would you have to just fire everyone and start from square one, so to say? Could Disney be saved? That's a real question. It looks like he's increasing his stake. He's getting more and more of their stock. Does he just want to oust the CEO? I can't help but think perhaps any CEO would be doing a better job. I mean, Bob Iger, he's helping in regard to he is decreasing the cost, which they need desperately, especially when it comes to their movie production. They've lost about $2 billion on these movies and films recently partially because they're injecting terrible ideologies into them as well, but also because they're just way too expensive to make. Look at the Marvel films. Those cost so much money, the only way they could possibly even make a profit is that if they make billions upon billions of dollars, and they're out, that, that's just not happening anymore. It's one of those things where I think a lot of people are fed up with the Star Wars films, which Disney also owns, the Marvel films. They just oversaturated the market with so much volume of crap. I mean, Great eloquence, really brilliant writing, very, very cerebrally challenging. I can't even say that with a straight face, it's mostly just hogwasher. Kind of like a roller coaster, some might say, in terms of media consumment. But what do you think? Do you think Disney could be saved? Will he actually take place or replace the CEO? Is that what he's pushing for? Does he want simply just want to get a majority of the board of directors, which gives them power in and of itself? It'll be interesting to see. What do I think? My three cents. It used to be two cents, but 40-year hyperinflation, gotta do three cents. It should be four cents, but I'm a generous man. Though, it is still free to click the subscribe button. I think this, this investor does have a, he has a successful track record of turning these companies around. I think he could do it. He would need a majority of the seats on the board of directors, and they would need to fire everyone and just start from, start, just reset the whole thing especially the people who are making content. Because that's, when you look at the Disney fiscals, like where they're making money, where they're losing money, they're still making money in the parks, which don't get me wrong, they have problems in themselves. But the parks, especially overseas, are very well, do, they're doing very well, physically speaking. The media is where they're just doing terrible. 
I mean, Disney Plus, their streaming is still losing money. And then, of course, all the movies are losing money as well. So they need to fi- you need a majority on the board of directors. They really need to fire a bunch of those folks. And then you'd have to have a whole cam- media campaign, an advertising campaign, to let people know, hey, we're done with politics. We want everyone to be our consumer. And even then, I would still highly implore parents to actually screen the films, a.k.a. preview the films before you let your kids watch them because Lord only really knows what they're trying to sneak past you these days. But I think you need a, they also need a new CEO to say, hey, I'm going to personally inspect every piece of media we create and I'm going to give it a green stamp or not. I'm going to promise we will not have politics in our content. If they do those things, I think they'd have a great chance of winning the overall market share in the United States again. I'm There's so such a high... I was going to say there's such a high barrier. There's so many variables. I don't think the odds of that are very high, but I think it could happen. And if it were to fix the company, that would be the way about you'd have to do it, so to say. Let me know in the comments. Do you think Disney can be saved anytime soon? It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light shipping UK team-branded bottles to a USA sports balls game. Of course. Course. Now, this comes from a tweet from a gentleman by the name of Matt Jones, and he said, quote, Blue gets in, dot, 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 even at a Louisville game. And he says, quote, Hey, it looks like Budweiser got some UK Bud Light bottles mixed in with our inventory in the boxes. They are white bottles with a UK logo. Please let your people know that if they, that if they see any in their stock to not put them out or sell them under any circumstances. Thank you. They got over 120,000 views in a couple hours. And I was going to say, I know business brilliance, well, perhaps is usually the antithesis for Bud Light, but to have, with all the controversy they have on from a marketing and PR perspective, to have simple logistical issues go wrong as well, that's just ridiculous. And this is just ridiculously, ridiculously poor planning. And again, this could also be the distribution channel, but yeah, how awkward is that? Hey, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor. The Chicago Bears allegedly have a sports balls team. I've never seen them in a Super Bowl for ever, but the rumor is they have a sports balls team. That would be like having the Dallas Cowboys branded beer bottle go to Chicago and presumably somehow make it without any bullet holes intact. But if it made it to the game in Chicago, that'd be like having a Dallas Cowboys Bud Light bottle at the Chicago Stadium where the sports balls are played. Yeah, of course, that is ridiculous and partially hilarious, but does not increase anyone's confidence for the brand. Now, in terms of the comments, of course, they were mostly vitriol. You have Rob Brunington saying, quote, Bud Light and UK football go hand in hand for sure, unquote. You got 10 likes. See here. A lot of people are just saying LOL, morons. Jonathan DeShelter said, quote, Bud Light with a genius move to help some of our fans not cry over Bud Light, unquote. Getting eight likes. Let's see here. A lot of people saying who cares about the game. So, in terms of the the Bud Light business blunders continue to stack up and just increase every single day. And considering they can't even get simple logistics right, it is ridiculous, but not all too surprising. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek on the Washington Post, something that did not age well. Now, he says, quote, to Washington Post this January doesn't age too well, unquote, and in the picture he tweeted of the Washington Post, it says, Business, sending dumb weapons from Israel to Ukraine is smart, according to analyst James Starvidis Bloomberg. Now, in the article, or a little blurb, it says, The U.S. military announced last week that it would take 300,000 American 155mm artillery shells from a weapons stockpile in Israel and transfer them to the Ukrainian military. While not overly enthusiastic about the movement of the ammunition, the Israeli Defense Force officials said the rounds were U.S.-owned and that they were used as, and how they were used was, quote, American business. 
Now, interestingly enough, and sadly enough, you have the attacks by Hamas, and yeah, Israel probably they probably could have used those weapons. Now, let me see here. What what are the comments saying? And again, Vivek got about ooh right shy of a million. So you've got three quarter of a million views in a single day. It's pretty darn good. Not to brag, but I got six views on my last tweet. Humble brag at N I C T O P P I N G. Now, let's see here. You do, interestingly enough, you do have some pejorative responses. So usually with Vivek in the past, when you looked at his Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, I'd say you'd have between 60, 60 to 90% supportive of him. And then you have some pejorative, and then you have the group that's always Trump, who they just make jokes about him running for VP. Now, this one looks like you have a little more critique than usual. Now, one of the tie responses comes from W, although they get an F for marketing because their profile picture is nothing it, there's no w it's just a blob nevertheless w says quote you're still talking about stuff you know nothing about unquote and he got 62 likes see here now mark kelly this person says quote there's no indication that israel is short of hardware but where did the hamas arms come from to mount this attack unquote person got 83 likes and interestingly enough some reports are saying that they got the weapons from afghanistan where the U.S. and all its brilliance actually abandoned billions of dollars in small arms, planes, bombs, pretty much the whole military. We just left all of our gear there. Ah, yes. Politicians. That was a smart move to leave Afghanistan so quickly and so haphazardly to not plan for actually destroying those weapons and them literally billions of dollars falling into enemy hands. Who could have seen that happening? Oh, yes, anyone with a modicum of intelligence. Now, let's see. What other thing? Well, let's see here. Some by the name of Gypsy. And interestingly enough, their profile picture is of a frog. This person says, quote, Sending weapons to de-escalate a conflict is similar to doing meth to stop a drug habit. Unquote. Person got 34 likes. Interestingly enough. Adam Epstein, another very popular comment, this person says, quote, isn't your position to dial back the protection of Israel, Israel, Vivek, unquote, you got 55 likes. Another very popular response by Ethan Nechton said, quote, you're trying to score a political point, but your point is false. It's not weapons that are missing, but troops that were too busy guarding settlers, your boss, Trump, and GOP support? You're a sorry excuse for a, pol for a political? Go back and try to make a buck off sick people, unquote. Grammar aside, trying to analyze what this person said, they got 160 likes. So it's one of the most popular responses. I'm trying, but troops are too big. I'm trying to reread this, trying to gain some understanding of this. I was going to say this grammar is just atrocious, to say the least. He says, too busy guarding settlers, your boss, so they're, is he implying the troops were guarding Trump? What? Let me know what you think he, th he meant in the comments. I'd be fascinated to hear what you had to say. Another person said by the name of Andres Camilo saying, quote, quote, clearly you're just making shit up as you go, just to score political points, unquote, getting 10 likes. A couple, of a couple of people are saying a thousand percent, nothing by them ages well. Washington Post is trash, we all know it. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Bitnar says, quote, don't forget all the equipment we left in Afghanistan for Hamas to use. Absolute failure by the leadership of America right now, unquote, getting 11 likes. So there are, let's see here. Yeah, let's see. Drones. There are a couple supporting of Vivek, but it looks like the support, uh, let's see, da, da, da. Support is not as positive as past. You have somebody by the name of Ulfus saying, quote, the U.S. shouldn't be arming other countries anywhere. We have problems of our own, unquote. First, got seven likes. Now, the way I'm interpreting it, it sounds like the USA had a stockpile of weapons there. And it wasn't specifically intended for them. Now, granted, it definitely doesn't look good in hindsight because of the attack. But I know the U.S. does have bases and weapons depots across the globe. 
And and at the time we were, well, I was gonna say at the time, we are still giving Ukraine pretty much darn near everything but the kitchen sink, presumably because the kitchen sink is bolted down. But these days, who knows, they might just take the bolt cutters out, metaphorically speaking. They've only gotten $100 billion this far and counting. So interesting enough, there's still a couple support, but perhaps one of his most controversial tweets thus far as we've been covering him in the past couple of months, with again, most of his previous posts getting between what, 80, well, let's be conservative, maybe 70 to 90% positive. So it is interesting to see kind of that shift for the specific topic. And it'll be interesting to see what also what voters, what, what are their thoughts and how it may help or hinder other political rivals as the situation evolves. It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall usually, but time shall tell. Other interesting political news, you have Chris Christie on the U.S. giving Iran $6 billion and de facto arming Hamas. Now, this is a recent tweet from Chris Christie, and for him, I would say he went moderately viral. Most of his tweets, I would say, past couple of months, with the exception of two Trump tweets that got 400,000 400, and about a million views, I would say most of his tweets get between 20 and 60,000. And this did a little bit better than usual, getting 72.7 thousand views. And he did have a little clip of himself, but before the clip starts, he says, quote, money is fungible, at Joe Biden and the White House denying that the $6 billion they gave to Iran went to helping terrorism is just them trying to cover their rear ends, unquote. And as I continue to evaluate new softwares, I do appreciate your input. I'm trying to get to the point where you have in-production picture-in-picture, something that's very simple to use. Right now, I'm currently using OBS Open Source Software for the... Re to record, an actual so to record the actual production, and then I have a USB 4K camera and a little USB uh, microphone that I use. And I appreciate suggestions to try to make the show better. I tried XSplit, but kept having issues. I don't know if they need new drivers for the camera, but the camera would not work. And I tried two cameras actually. And then I'm trying to, I know, I tried another one. And again, it was one of those deltas where only one of them would work. So if you have suggestions, I greatly appreciate the feedback because I do want to make the show better and better for everyone. And I am trying to work on my stuttering and my speaking too fast. And although it's not tested by the Mayo Clinic or any fancy doctors, if you click the subscribe button, it may help my stuttering. It may very well decrease the rate at which I stutter. Again, this has never been tested, but perhaps we can test that together today. So if you can, please click that button. And without further ado, I will, and again, perhaps this is a good example of we don't really want the picture in picture, because Chris Christie is not the best at being photogenic. However, here is the clip of him on the Fox News, which I'd say C minus for marketing. Why they don't use more of a Fox mascot is beyond me. But again, we know when it comes to marketing and business brilliance, Fox News or Fox in general, not so great. Let's not forget the Iranians clearly here were supplying both hardware and strategy. Um, and I think the Biden White House's denial of that is just them trying to cover their rear ends because they gave $6 billion over to the Iranians just a few weeks ago. And, and this excuse from the administration that that money is only supposed to go for humanitarian aid, let me deal with that directly. Money is fungible. So they say it's only going to be on food. Well, any money that the Iranians were going to spend on food, they now have a fund for that. They can use that money to support terrorism. This idea that somehow the money hasn't left the account and all these other excuses. They gave comfort to terrorists and they gave financing to terrorists. Money is fungible and there's no question that money that they didn't have access to before helped in this attack. Let's not... And I don't know why... Perhaps Elon will say this is a feature, not a bug, but the videos keep replaying as soon as you're done with them. And they still don't have a playlist. So many things left to be wanted in terms of improving Twitter, also known as X. Now, I would say Chris Christie, his social media responses are usually, oh, they're usually abysmal in terms of the ratio. This usually 60% against him, maybe 24% for him. Then you have 20% just people who love Trump and want to, Specifically, just talk about how Trump is better than him. So, vitriolic to say the least. Now, with this statement, and again, I I think it'll increase. I think perhaps you'll get 60% favorability. Perhaps. Let's dive on in. Now, I'll go to, this, to the first post, which, or first response, which is very popular. 
This person is by the name of No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen. And he says, quote, the money doesn't go to the Iranian government. It get it goes to vetted nonprofits for humanitarian assistance like food and medicine. Iran wasn't going to get wasn't going to spend that money for humanitarian purposes in the first place if they weren't forced to. You're lying and you know it. Now he got one thousand six hundred and fifty three likes out of thirty four thousand views. Quite a good quite a good ratio right there. Now someone did respond to him saying by the name of Dave Smith saying, quote, I suppose it's impossible for the recipients of that money for humanitarian purposes to launder it for Iran and net a nice profit in the process, unquote. Which is a good point, although he only got three likes. Not to brag, but when I'm on Twitter, I usually get two to three likes, sometimes. At N-I-C-T-O-P-V-I-N-G. Let's see, what other positive responses? Uh, and then, of course, uh, let's see. Someone by the name of Trump's Fever Dream, which they do get an A-plus for marketing because you know exactly who they're voting for. And the picture is an angry Trump. So, you know, exact, presumably you know pretty much, you know their political affiliation. Now, this person says, quote, ah, yet another reason your feeble candidacy is doomed, unquote. Person got 31 likes. Let's see here. Ah, uh, I was going to say, usually it only takes one or two comments to get to one that's about his weight. Some calling it a big issue. Metaphor notwithstanding. Now this person says, quote, or this person is by the name of C.P. Smith, says, quote, Are you saying you ate all the money? Hefty rearing, unquote. Person got seven likes. Some by the name of Catherine, oh no. Some by the name of Bronson saying, quote, sounds like a normal restaurant bill for your diner, unquote. Person got two likes. Some by the name of DJ Smith 56 said, quote, the Republican Party is fungible. You can interchange one Republican for another, and yet you get the same thing, unquote. And they did use a upside down smiley face, interestingly enough. Now, this person got 88 likes, which I can't help but notice. A lot of Republicans, well, I would say it's a lot of Democrats as well. A lot of them are simply a copy-paste of each other. If you were to actually just look at their policies, you probably couldn't help but think. You, you, many could not guess who actually they were voting for if you only had policies listed on a ballot, which I actually wish we kind of get rid of the R's and the D's next to people's names on the ballot so people actually knew who they were voting for, not just what party they claimed to be with. Another topic for another time, perhaps, but it is an interesting point where they're saying, yeah, you just swap one in for one Republican in for another. Because many of them do have, they're pretty much the same. Although I'd also argue, you could also argue, it's political, politically speaking, parties do have certain things that they all agree on. But still, I was going to say, interesting point. Let's see here. Ah, someone actually clarifies this, so I appreciate that. Now, this person, his name is Cecil Copeland. They actually texted a meme well, I don't know if it's really a meme. It's just a it's a picture with a lot of text. So this is some, but his text says, quote, Media Sync Network Instant Fact Check. Why the U.S. government gave $6 billion in taxpayer money to Iran, which was given to Hamas to attack Israel. The facts, the U.S. did not give a cent to Iran. The U.S. unfroze $6 billion in Iranian money during a prisoner swap. Not a single penny has been spent. The money is in a bank account in Qatar, monitoring by the U.S. Treasury, and can only be spent on humanitarian aid. All purchases must be verified by the U.S. Treasury Department, unquote. That person got 12 likes, which I was going to say, I'm sure it was a negotiation. And a lot of people will reference the book, The Art of the Deal by Trump. This perhaps would be a good example of the opposite of the art deal, the art of losing. You gave him $6 billion for prisoner swap? It's almost as bad as a trade for Brittany Griner, which to her credit, is the only WNBA player ever to be known by name, which gives a certain sense of fame in and of itself. We actually traded The Lord of War. If you ever saw the film, it's a brilliant film with Nicolas Cage. They've traded Victor Bout for her and left a United States Marine in Russia, which shows the United States priorities. A basketball player, well, a rudimentary basketball player who does copious amounts of drugs, hates the United States, and doesn't even stand for the anthem. That's who, that's who we chose to swap for. 
Interestingly enough, that book is also brilliant. It is Victor Bout's book. What is it? It's going to drive me crazy. I have it on the shelf right here. I read it this year. I want to say, where did it go? It's going to drive me crazy. I know the book. Why was the book? Where did I put it? You lose me at the moment. No. Now I have to know. Now I have to remember the book's name. It's a challenge. Merchant of Death, I believe, is one of the books. But it talks about how he, the movie, The Lord of War, is based off this man. We gave him up for a rudimentary basketball player. It's a really good book. It's very complex in terms of all the holding companies he set up and all the logistics. It is a very fascinating read, though, if you're kind of a business nerd, especially. I found it very, very, very fascinating. Although, it would probably be more prudent if I actually had a Amazon URL created for this podcast. And I can actually recommend the book for the, in the body of the description. Perhaps I'll do that shortly in the future. Now, let's look at the other responses. And a lot of these are just vitriolic against Chris Christie. You have John Robb saying, quote, Well, Fatso, we knew it was way too good to be last. You were 3% in the polls last week, and now you're back down to 2% again. I guess the good times could not keep rolling with you. First, got two likes. Let's see here. Someone by the name of Bayeth82, and she says, quote, Well, nice of you to ride on Cheney's coattails. There's a little nagging fact that, um, wait a sec, what was it now? None of that money has been touched, unquote. Getting 11 likes. Laura Reisner says, quote, Welp, there goes my last hope that you might be reasonable and a re responsible actor in the GOP mess. No more. 71 likes from her. Somebody named as Math is Life. Although, pathetically enough, the emoji he chose for his profile picture is a peace sign. Which, again, if your name is Math in Life, how you can not have an emoji of a calculator is beyond me. F-minus for marketing, Mr. Math for Life. Nevertheless, Mr. Math for Life, profile picture isn't even of a calculator, it's of a guy. But nevertheless, Mr. F marketing, he says, quote, Oh, I thought you were better than this. Republicans learned a fancy word, fungible, and now think they are international accountants. This is a lie. Not a single penny of that money went to Hamas. True leaders do not have to lie to curry favor against their opponents. Sad. Unquote. Person did get 23 likes, though, so a lot of people resonated with that message. Let's see here. Yeah. Somebody named David Wells said, quote, you just lost my vote, unquote. And he got 16 likes. Yeah, interestingly enough, um... Yeah, let's just say the support for Christie. The support for Christie is hard to find, to say the least, on social media. Trying to see maybe one more interesting one. Yeah. A lot. Uh, a lot of the comments are also just roasting Republicans as well, not specifically Chris Christie. So, I guess perhaps a silver lining for him, maybe? A lot, a lot of people saying money is still the account, stop the lies. So, yeah, let me know. Has this increased or decreased your perception of Chris Christie? Do you think this is going to help him in the polls? Or perhaps they'll just continue the trend of kind of just hanging in there. As he gathers the never Trumper voters. Although DeSantis is ramping up that campaign. So I think DeSantis. Uh, I think DeSantis is going to get those voters from Chris Christie. In terms of voters. Or I was going to say. Saw for the Republican nominee at the moment. But in these polls. I think some of the polls. And the people reporting them. They might shift. Perhaps from Chris Christie. So he may try to try to find a new shtick. Or a new campaigning methodology or philosophy. It'll be interesting to see. Do you think he can turn around his campaign? It may take a little time because, you know, turn around quite a feat in and of itself. But, as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting political news. You have Vivek on U.S. lack of northern border security going viral, getting near 
one million views in a single day. And actually, within two days, it surpassed it, getting 1.4 million views. Not to brag, but my last video got 18 views. Humble brag. Although, as Trump might say, they are the best views ever, the best audience, always. I know no one was asking for that impression, but perhaps it made you smile just a little bit today. That's all I can hope for. Now, Vivek, before his quick video, said, quote, This is insanity. Right now at the U.S. northern border port of entry, there are two signs. One says, prepare to stop. The other reads, to a hiking trail. I follow the hiking trail sign, which leads up into the woods that completely sidesteps the port of entry to the U.S. and Canadian sides, unquote. Which, we all knew, I think many people knew that the northern border is just a joke. For, that's kind of been a, the butt of main jokes in my lifetime, is the northern border, which for decades I've been saying we need to build a wall there to keep our freedom intact. Lord knows what would happen if those those Mounties with their beavers and wait, what would a, what a Canadian soldier have on them? They'd have a satchel of a wooden... No, actually, no. They, lo they love guns in Canada, but only for the government, not the people. So they would have a gun as a Mountie, but instead of having a canteen of water, be a canteen of maple syrup... Instead of having an attack dog or like a dog to snip out drugs, they would have a beaver. And then instead of a horse riding into battle, they would have a moose. I can only presume that is a historical accurate representation of the Canadian military. It sounds about right. Surely it is. Now, he does play this for about 37 seconds. And if you have suggestions, I would greatly appreciate it for production software that will allow you to do picture in picture, you know, video in video, as I've evaluated two to three. And... Again, the human error is real. I may very well be making mistakes, but the last time I tried, the, I don't know if the camera is just too new still. The I'm currently using the Razer Kaizen 4K webcam for the USB camera at the moment, but it just wouldn't recognize the device. And the other time, it would recognize the screen that I was trying to show, but not the device. So again, I appreciate your patience as we're trying to make the show better together, and I do appreciate your feedback. And without further ado, I will play the quick clip. It's a very friendly hiking trail there's a sign that led us up here i wouldn't have found this if they didn't have the friendly sign literally right in front of the fence with barbed wire said hiking trail this way a white line that we couldn't cross but a hiking trail that we're jaunting along it's beautiful i have to admit i kind of think we might do on a vacation or if you're illegally crossing a border when you don't want to come through the main border those would be the two ways that you might take advantage of a beautiful trail like this one. It's a nice walk. Although, I'm sure many people combine that. That could be a new trend, actually. Although I fear I'm not the one starting it. A border crossing vacation. Combine the two activities. Could be fun for, presumably, the whole family. And before I'll beat the comments this time, my family did not swim here from Cuba. We actually used a plane. Fun fact. One of the last ones out. Now, of the 1.4 million views, I suspect many of them will be Either jokes about Canada and supporting him, since Canada in many ways is a joke. Although it is sad, of course, that they disarm their people and they're very tyrannical and evil. But nevertheless, and of course the jokes are endless about Justin Trudeau looking like Bill Castro's illegitimate son. His mother was a whore, apparently, who, or cover your ears, I apologize if you have children listening. But she spent a lot of time with Fidel, who is one of the most evil, morally vacuous people in history. And is a disgusting stain on the U.S., idea of freedom that communism literally, literally is a stone throw away off Florida, but I moderately or partially digress. Now, looks like one of the top comments is Mr. Steve Stevenson. Trying to cheat by having first names, Steve? I don't think so. We're just going to call you Steve. So Mr. Steve says, quote, it's just a hiking trail, man. Chill out. No one would use that illegally because it would be illegal, unquote. I, I appreciate a good pun or observational humor. He did get 146 likes. Mr. David Yepes says, quote, Are you worried about the hordes of Canadians crossing the border unchecked or the hordes of Americans fleeing America if Cuban gets or if Trump gets reelected? Unquote. He got 278 likes. Although perhaps one of the most laziest arguments in history, you hear this about Democrats and Republicans. Everyone always complains, oh if XYZ gets elected, I'm moving to Canada. How many people have actually do that? I'd actually respect someone if they did it because they actually, you know, stuck behind their word. A wise man used to say a man is only as good as his word. Unfortunately, nowadays, that's worth darn near nothing for many people. But, yeah, I don't know how many people really 
Well, let me know. Do you know a single person who left the United States when Biden got elected or Trump got elected? I mean, people won't even leave their state when they have tyranny ruling over them, like in California, where they're taxing ammo and guns at 20%, disarming their people, allowing the city of San Francisco to burn, literally giving more rights to robbers and thieves than actual citizens there. And yet, they won't even leave this... A lot of those people just continue voting the same way and they won't leave the city. So, when it comes to the statement of, oh yeah, we're going to leave the country... It, to me, it's just a boring, unauthentic, not even observational humor, just a boring joke. Let me know in the comments. Do you know a single person has moved? But, nevertheless, I'll go back to the comments. Someone by the name of Molly Pitcher did a little quote picture, where it's a picture of FDR, and it says, quote, In politics, nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way, unquote. She got 118 likes. Somebody named Winnie says, quote, I think you're blowing this out of proportion there, Vivek. We're, well, we're aware of the border, unquote. She got 313 likes. Although, I don't really, I don't know how much I agree with that statement because when was the last politician who authentically, like not as a joke, talked about the northern border? It's a huge security flaw, as you can see in these videos. And, of course, the bad guys know it's a, oh, bad guys know all of our borders are basically jokes. So very easy to infiltrate and destroy the United States from within, unfortunately. One would think it would be prudent to actually, you know, construct something or put resources into that. But currently right now, Republicans and Democrats think it's better to spend over $100 billion protecting borders in Europe. Interesting priorities, to say the least. Going down to the comments. Let's see here. see veterans talking no veterans taking back said quote yet you saw not one single immigrant crossing go find another story unquote got 158 likes now someone did respond to that by name of robert de palma saying quote wait he's not finished and it looks like there's a video it looks like a person may be crossing in the video or he's just crossing a river a lot of people are saying it's a stream not a border Somebody named of Space Fabrics did a poll, and you know me, I enjoy my data in the polls. Now, this person did a question saying, quote, shut down the border, unquote. So that's the question for the poll. Out of the, the 346 people who cast their votes on this very important X or Twitter poll, 76% yes, we must, while 24% have never played the game of risk, and they say no, it's not important to protect your border. And that got 7,000 views, although only four likes. So a lot of people participated in that vote, but they did not like it, interestingly enough. Let's see. A lot of people, eh, okay, so there's a lot of people saying, we stand with Vivek, we, st I have, we stand with Vivek. Someone's saying loopholes. Someone, eh. He's, uh, Cameron, I make websites, which, A-plus for marketing. I know exactly what this person does, so presumably if I need that service, I can reach out to him. I should probably add technology or cybersecurity to my name. Nevertheless, this person says, quote, easier to get a visa to Canada than the U.S., unquote. This person got 23 views, or rather 23 likes. Let's see. So interestingly enough, I'd say a little less support than usual for Vivek when it comes to this poll. Uh, or this rather this feedback on the Twitter. Yeah, let's see. You also have somebody by the name of Kevin Brewer saying, quote, this is hilarious, but not surprising, unquote, getting 45 likes. So let me know in the comments. Do you think, again, I've never heard of a politician really go after the Canadian border. It would be a unique value prompt or a unique thing to talk about. Now, I'm not sure how much the American public realizes the importance of borders are, Granted, that's probably partially because the detriment of public school is not teaching anything these days. Well, teaching so poorly that we have record low scores in pretty much every topic from mathematics to science, history, perhaps by design. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see if this message resonates with American voters, if they see it as a, a winning topic that could gain you more votes in the primaries, or if it's just it'll just continue to be the butt of many jokes, as Canada usually is. Let me know in the comments. It'll be fascinating to hear and see what you have to say. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, you have a candy recall, unfortunately, 
after a seven-year-old dies. Now, this is specifically in regard to a candy by the name of Rolling Candy, which I was going to say, I don't know who designed this, but it is a candy in which you have a tube of liquid goop because, you know, kids need their more high fructose corn syrup injected into them because there's not enough in ketchup and every substance on the planet, seemingly. But nevertheless, it is a little tube with sugar, or I wish it was real sugar. It's actually healthier for you. High fructose corn syrup and chemicals you can't pronounce. And then at the tip is actually a ball in a socket, very similar to a ballpoint pen. And presumably you tilt it upside down and you lick the ball and you get a little bit of the gooey substance every time you, I was about to say you enjoy the treat, but I really don't think that's a treat. That's more of a, I don't know how much you really enjoy it, but nevertheless, it is a gooey substance I'm sure some kids like. Now, it looks like the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission warned, warning comes after six months after a seven-year-old choked and died in New York after the a cocoa candy, rolling candy, became dislodged and trapped in her throat. Now, it looks like the can, cocoa candy of Turkey and Passaic is a New Jersey-based KGR distribution and recall, recalled about 145,800 cocoa candy rolling candy sold in stores nationwide and online that were sold between May 2022 and March 2023. And they cost about $2.50 per unit. Although that's a little bit generous because, of course, the government is going to cost a little bit more than that, probably about 10% because of the sales tax. But nevertheless, the price you see on the sticker next to the candy was about $2.50. Now, it's one of those things where choking hazards is probably the number one detriment to most child toys and is the biggest risk that you have when you're creating a, a toy or in this case a candy or confectionery product. And it's very sad that someone had to depart in this type of way. And I think in terms of future fixes, they'll probably just drill holes into the sphere. Well, it's not fun business facts, but an interesting business fact. If you ever see the clear Bic pens where you see the cap on the pen, it's actually a hole in the cap. Well, there's no really function for writing that hole needs to be there. That hole is intentionally designed to be a part of the product because if the cap of the pen comes off and becomes dislodged in someone's throat or lodged in someone's throat, they can still breathe because of that small hole while they're waiting for medical services to remove that from their throat. So in that case, they created a safety feature for that product. In this case, very similarly, I suspect they'll actually have some type of holes drilled into the sphere. So even if it does become stuck, it would allow air to pass through that passage, albeit not a lot. But that may be one way you can mitigate that type of risk if you do not redesign the whole product altogether. Perhaps the future product just being a tube of goop that you squeeze drops out of, which I swear there was a brand that did that when I was a child, but for life of me, I cannot remember at this very moment. But unfortunately, to have such a product designed specifically for kids, not to have more safety built in, and unfortunately for some to pass, that's, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, again, for taking the time to tune in today. Again, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October, so if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Again, I'm not a doctor, but it may help with the stuttering that I have. If you click that button, it might be the cure. We don't know, but together we could find out. Also, I greatly appreciate your feedback, especially if it's critical, because that's how you grow the most. So if you leave a comment, I greatly appreciate it. Also, liking the channel may or may not help. I have no idea how the algorithm works. It seems to change like the weather, but liking the videos is a good indicator that I'm doing a good job or downvoting if I need to change some of the things accordingly. Also, lastly, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.